Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Dr. Justin Hillhouse joins us this morning as we continue our series, Stepping Up to Greatness. If you have your copy of God's Word handy, go ahead and open it up to Deuteronomy chapter 3 as we look into Moses' farewell address. Now, let's hear from Dr. Hillhouse. Glad y'all are doing well. Good morning. How y'all doing? There you go. All right. If you have your copy of God's Word, open it up, turn it on. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 3. Deuteronomy chapter 3. And over the past couple weeks, we've started this new series called Stepping Up to Greatness. And we've kind of started just going through the book of Deuteronomy. And John Mark started uh, a couple weeks ago in Deuteronomy chapter 1. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 3 this morning. And if you are just now joining us, we're just kind of going through uh, Moses' farewell address. And what happened is is in Genesis, uh, or actually in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, it kind of outlines what Israel goes through. Okay, Exodus kind of goes through the exodus of Israel from Egypt, and then Leviticus and Numbers goes through the law, as well as it goes through some of the history that Israel went through. And if you remember kind of some of the history of Israel, Israel was getting ready to go into the promised land. They sent in 12 spies, two came back and said, it's great. God tells us to go in. Let's go. There are 10 other spies that convince everybody else uh, to say, hey, listen, the land is great, but they're too, uh, it's too strong. We can't go in. There's no way we can go in. So because of that, God said, because you disobeyed me, you are going to be in the wilderness for 40 years. And so Deuteronomy is kind of the end of that 40 year period. And so Moses is probably, scholars think, somewhere between, you know, 30 to 60 days from going to be with the Lord. And so as he is kind of winding down his life, Deuteronomy is that book that just kind of reviews the history of Israel. It reviews where they came from. It reviews the law. It reviews um what they have done in the 40 years that they were wandering around in the desert. And it also looks forward and it sets up Joshua to be the next leader of Israel. And so when John Mark started in Deuteronomy chapter one, we started about how Israel was uh, marching around uh, uh, the mountain and, and God said, okay, hey, look, it's time to go in. And and there were a few things that, that, that God had told Israel to do that they began to start doing. And as they are moving towards the promised land. And so now in Deuteronomy chapter three, and I'll just be honest, when John Mark started this series, I really wanted to preach Deuteronomy three. I really wanted to talk about Deuteronomy three because there's a dude in here whose name is Og. Everybody say Og. That is a cool name, is it not? What's your name? Og. I mean, it just sounds manly you know what i mean and and we meet this guy by the name of og and we're going to look in deuteronomy 3 verses 1 through 11 and so when you look in deuteronomy chapter 3 starting in verse 1 it says this next we turned and we went up along the road towards uh basan and og king of basan with his whole army marched out to meet us in battle at uh, Edri. Now, in Deuteronomy 3, we are introduced, okay, to this guy named Og, okay? And 
How many of you have heard of the story of Og? How many of you have heard of this story? Like one or two of you, okay? Og is not really a popular story. They don't teach the story of Og, all right, in Sunday school when you're a kid. Are y'all with me on that? They don't teach the story. But here's what's fascinating is Og is mentioned 22 times throughout Scripture, and he's mentioned in six other books of the Bible. So Og is a little more popular than what we might know and what we might understand. And so Og, king of uh, Bashan, uh, he rolls in, all right? And Moses is recounting what has happened. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. He's getting ready to hand off Joshua, the leadership of Israel. Moses is preparing for eternity. And so he is recounting this encounter that Israel has had with Og. Now we need to understand something about Og. Og, first of all, he, alongside with the Amorite kingdom in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 2, they are the gateway into the promised land. So in order for the Israel, the children of Israel, to get to the land that God had promised them, they had to go through Og. They had to go through his kingdom. Not only that, but part of Og's kingdom, part of the land that he ruled over, was part of the promised land given to the children of Israel. So we have two problems. Number one, Og is in their way. And number two, when the children of Israel take over the promised land, some of the land that is promised to the children of Israel is part of Og's land. And Og is not going to like the children of Israel taking his land. So he's going to put up a fight. So no matter what, the children of Israel, they are going to have to fight Og. All right? So God sets them up and he says, hey, listen, it is time to go and to take out Og. Og is an obstacle to get to the promised land. So in order to get all of the promised land that God promised the children of Israel, they have to fight Og, and they have to conquer not only him, but also his whole kingdom. And this is kind of the first thought that we get from this passage, and that's this, is that God's promises are fulfilled completely. So do not settle for just parts. You got that? Don't just settle for parts of God's promises, but settle for all of God's promises. And so in order for God to fulfill His promise, the kingdom of Og must be defeated. Because if they went into the promised land, think about it, if they went into the promised land, they got a majority of the promised land, they still wouldn't have all of the promised land. They still wouldn't get all that God has promised them. And for us, we know that God has given us promises, but there are promises that God has given us that we have not taken or that we only take bits and pieces. We don't take the whole promise that God has given us. Have you ever thought about that? Did you know that in Scripture there are over 8,810 promises in Scripture? In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes 
in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. I like what Joshua 23, 14 says. He says this, and now I'm, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. This is the end of Joshua's life. He's about to die. And he says this, and you know, with all of your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God have given you has failed. Joshua said, there's not one promise God has given that he has reneged on or that he has only done halfway. When God makes a promise, he doesn't just sort of do it. He completely gives it to you. He completes his promise to its fullest extent. And so when the children of Israel, they're getting ready to go in to conquer a bulk of the of the promised land, of the land that was promised to them, there is a piece of it, just a small piece, but it is a piece that Og has. And God said, hey, listen, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to go in there to the promised land, but you got to defeat Og first. You got to go up against him because there is a piece of land that I have promised you that you need to have. Don't you love that about God? Even the smallest little bitty detail God is concerned about. And he's concerned about that small piece of land. There are so many promises God has given us. Whether they are big promises, whether they are small promises in Scripture, they are completed in full. God promises forgiveness of all of our sins in Colossians chapter 1. 13 and 14. I love it when guys say, hey, listen, I've done some bad stuff and and God, I don't know if God can forgive me of what I've done. Hey, you know what? Colossians chapter 1, 13 through 14. Guess what? God will forgive all of your sins. God is generous beyond compare with his children in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 33. Salvation is a free gift. There is nothing you can do To earn it, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God's love will never leave you. You will always be loved by God. In Psalm 108, verse 3, God brings goodness into our lives. God desires to give you goodness. He wants to be good to you. Psalm 37, verse 10. There is promise after promise in Scripture. And sometimes we doubt those promises. Sometimes we only take a piece of those Promises, yet God is continually faithful to love us and to continue to bless us with His promises. So don't settle for part of God's promises. Settle for all of it. Say, God, you have promised this. I want the full promise that you have given me. But then look in verse 2 of Deuteronomy chapter 3. It says this. So the Lord said to me, do not be afraid of him. For I have delivered him into your hands, along with his whole army and his land. Do to him what you did to Sion, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon. Now Og, as we'll read here in just a few minutes, he's not just an intimidating guy, okay? But the land that he had, the region that he had, The cities that he was over were large and well fortified. And we're going to read that here in just a few minutes. And so to enter into Og's 
kingdom and to take what is his is not going to be a small feat. It's going to be a tough deal. Now, remember, Moses is recounting to the children of Israel what God has done. It is thought by scholars that this fight between the children of Israel and Og took roughly two years before the children of Israel actually entered into the promised land. And so before the 40 years was up, it is thought, it is generally accepted by scholars that about two years before they entered into Jericho and started marching around those great big walls, that the children of Israel, under God's guidance, under God's command, began to start to take those small little bitty pieces of land that was promised to them. And so what did he say? Look at what God told Moses. Do not be afraid of him. Do what you did to Sion, king of the Amorites. So God says, hey, listen, I want you to go in there. I want you to take out King Og. And I want you to do the same thing to King Og as to what you did to the Amorites, to what you did to Sion. I love that. So what exactly did the children of Israel do to Sion? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 32 through 35, we find out what the children of Israel did to Sion. It says this in verse 32, When Sion and all of his army came out to meet us in battle at Jahaz, the Lord our God delivered him over to us, and we struck him down together with his sons and his whole army. Verse 34, and at that time we took all his towns and completely destroyed them. Men, women, and children, we left no survivors. But the livestock and the plunder from all the towns we had captured and we carried off for ourselves. Wow. That is quite some destruction, isn't it? I mean, they went in and they totally took out the Amorites. Not only did they defeat them, they killed everybody. Not only did they kill everybody, they went into every town that Sion was over, slaughtered everybody, and then they took all of their stuff. And God said, hey, listen, the same thing that you did to them, I want you to do to Og. The same thing you did to Sion, I want you to do to Og. And get this, Og's towns are b bigger. Og's towns are more well fortified. Og is richer. Everything that Og has is bigger than Sion has. And here's kind of another thought as we kind of step into greatness, and that is this, is that there are many obstacles in our way, and most of them can be handled in the same way. They just vary in degree. Y'all with me on that? We have a lot of different obstacles in our way, but most of them can be handled in the same or similar way. They just vary in degree. Sin Addiction, family trouble, financial trouble, relationship 
issues. All of these things can be dealt with in similar fashions. There is just a degree at which they are difficult to deal with. Let's just, for a minute, let's just look at personal sin. Just sin that maybe you and I deal with for a brief moment. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 10, it says this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So it's talking about me. It's talking about you. Whatever personally we deal with, it could be sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. And then look at this in verse 8. But now you must rid yourselves of all of these things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have been taken off your old self with, the, uh, with, with its practices and you have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of our Creator. When you look at this, you see that there is a laundry list of stuff. You see that there are personal issues that we each may have to deal with. Some are greater that we deal with, some are lesser that we deal with. But there's sexual immorality, there's idolatry, there's anger, there's slander. And Scripture says this is how you deal with those. You put them to death. That is pretty simple and easy. But for some things that we deal with, it could be harder but they still need to be handled the same way. We might struggle with sexual immorality, but anger may not be that big of an issue. There are, each of us have different issues, different sins, different things we are struggling with, yet we need to handle them the same way. We need to choke them out. We need to starve those desires out. We need to put them to death. You know, when you look at relationships, whether it's marriage or children or work, those issues can be handled similarly as well. It just matters in degree. What are you struggling with the most? We're supposed to deal with those things with love and kindness and gentleness and service. And this kind of leads us into our third thought in stepping up into greatness. You know, we all struggle with all these different things. They vary in sort of degrees, but we see in verse verses three through seven what God tells Moses to do to Og. And we see this in verse three. So the Lord our God also gave into our hands Og, king of Basin, and all of his army, and we struck them down, leaving no survivors. And at that time, we took all of his cities. There is not one of the 60 cities that we did not take from them in the whole region of, Ar of Argob. Og's kingdom in Bashan, and there were also great many unwalled villages. We completely destroyed them as we had done with Sion king of Eshbon, destroying every city, men, women, and children. But all the livestock and the plunder from their cities, we carried off for ourselves. 
And kind of here's where thought number two and thought number three come together is start small and work your way up. Start small and work your way up. Remember, I just said a few moments ago that when we're dealing with stuff, okay, there are, it varies in degrees. Each man in here is dealing with something. And there are some big things that we have to tackle. And then there are small things that we have to tackle. Each struggle is different and varies in degree. Some of you might have an issue with anger and that might be really tough. And then there are others of you that, man, you, you have just a little bit of greed that you're dealing with, but it is something that just through time and through prayer, you can begin to control and you can put that to death. When you look at Deuteronomy chapter two and you look at Deuteronomy chapter three, the Israelites started with Sion. They started small, okay, and they got that win under their belt. And once they got that win underneath their belt, God said, okay, now let's go on to Og. Well, Og is much bigger. Og is greater. His kingdom is bigger. His kingdom is much more fortified. And so God is moving Israel up and they are conquering the small stuff. And then as they conquer that small stuff, they begin to step up and they begin to tackle the bigger things. And in our lives, sometimes we see the great big sin. And we're like, okay, I'm going to tackle this sin and, and, and I'm going to pray. and I'm going to work with God. We're going to make it happen. And we're going to conquer this. And it seems like time and time again, you, you fail. Start with the small stuff. Start there and get a couple wins underneath your belt and then begin to move forward. And that kind of leads to the forethought. And that's this is the battles you face today prepare you for the battles of tomorrow. And remember who fights for you. The battles today prepare you for the battles tomorrow. The battles that I fought with my kids when they were five prepared me for the battles that I deal with my kid when they are 15. Y'all with me on that? Uh, Netflix has a, new, uh, has a new series out and it's all about NASCAR. Y'all big fans of NASCAR? Huh? No? Yes? Okay. All right. We've got a few rednecks in here. That's good. You know, it's funny. Because 99.9999% of the NASCAR drivers that are out there on the track turning left for four hours started when they were eight, nine, and ten. And they had to win those small races. They had to win those small trophies before they could move up into the ranks and finally race in NASCAR. As a matter of fact, there's only one guy that's racing in NASCAR that started by playing video games. <laughs> that, that sounds like my kid. He's like, that's how I want to get involved. <laughs> but 99.999% had to start little, had to start small. And even the dude that started playing video games, he had to start small. He had to start with a small racing game and he had to begin to win. And if you notice in Deuteronomy chapter two, the battle was Sion. There is no mention of walled cities. There's no mention 
of how tough they were. It was a little bit easier to go in. There is a mention of armies. There is a mention of towns. But Israel now is facing bigger armies, facing bigger towns, facing cities. And not only are they cities, but they are walled cities. And so over time, through each new battle. God is building their confidence. God is moving. God is working through his people, causing them to win. And Israel, as they are marching through, they are not sitting there going, hey, look at how great we are. Look at how bad we are. But rather, all the credit continues to go back to God and what he is doing. Remember to Always keep in mind that when you go to fight, when you go to battle, you are not alone. God is right there with you. And as a matter of fact, God likes to show up and God likes to fight our battles for us. Have you ever thought, man, God likes to fight? You ever thought about that? Man, God likes to fight. As a matter of fact, he wants to show up and he wants to fight your battles for you. Now that still doesn't mean that we get to stay home and sleep in. It means we still have to dress out. We still have to put on the sword. We still have to go and we have to face the enemy. But guess what? God shows up and he fights right alongside us. Don't mistake our time here today as being some sort of self-help sermon because it is not. God clearly is on the side of Israel. God is clearly looking out for them. God is clearly working and moving. And so because God is moving and working, it is Israel that is gaining that success in the battle. But it is only because God shows up, God is moving, and God is working. I like what Deuteronomy 20 verse 4 says. It says, For the Lord your God is the one who goes up with you, And then look at what it says, to fight for you against your enemies, to give you victory. Psalm 44, 15, though we were pushed back by our enemies, through your name, we trample our foes. I like Ephesians 6, 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Don't go into battle alone. God is right there with you. Call upon his name. Allow his power to move and to work and make sure you give him the credit. Isaiah 40, 29 says this. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases his strength. And this kind of leads us to the fifth and final thought today about stepping up into greatness. And that's this, is that God deals with powerful people in his perfect way. God deals with powerful people in his perfect way. At the end of this story, we see as Moses is recounting what happened in Deuteronomy chapter 3 verses 10 and 11, it says this, we took all the towns on the plateau and all Gilead and all of Bashan as far as Sodek and some other places, towns that of Og's kingdom in Bashan. And then look at the parentheses there in verse 11, it says, Og, King of Bashan was the last um, of these of his kind, and his bed was decorated with iron 
and was more than nine cubits long and four cubits wide. It was still in Rabam uh, of the Amorites. You know, the Bible interest, uh, mentions an interesting detail here, and that's uh, how Og slept on an iron bed. Um, iron back then, of course, was extremely expensive. So, first of all, we know that, that Og was a giant man. As a matter of fact, when you look and you calculate uh, how, how big we think he is, we think that he was actually bigger than Goliath. His bed, which is measured in cubits, uh, if you look at it now in today's measurement, his bed measures about 13 feet long and about 6 feet wide. And uh, that's an impressive size, especially today when we have kings and California king beds. That is impressive. Shaquille O'Neal sleeps on a bed that is 7 feet long and 6 feet wide, but he actually has a massive bed, and this one's been on, you know, whatever it's, you know, he's shown it off or whatever, but he has a bed, a custom bed that he built and he wanted it to be 15 feet long and six feet wide. But Og is a, is a big man. So just for him to stand up and to show up on the battlefield, he's going to stand out among everyone. And he is going to be an intimidating man. As a matter of fact, he's so intimidating that it is mentioned his bed size in scripture either way this powerful and intimidating man lost everything but understand this he not only lost everything he not only lost his life but he lost his legacy and he lost everything that was under his watch and it was taken over by a bunch of slaves that wandered in the desert for roughly 40 years. And it just goes to show how powerful and how great God is. It goes to show the God that we serve, when he shows up, he is there to fight. He is there to fight for us. He is mightier than any human being we encounter. Psalm chapter 27, verse 1 says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold in my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Guys, uh, I love this story of Og. I love how it just inspires and, and, and just tells us, Hey, listen. Whatever battle you're getting ready to fight, remember those small battles that you fought? They taught you and trained you for the big battles. And remember that God is on your side. And when he says, hey, go in and do this or that, that he is with you and that he will fight with you and that the promises that he has given you, guess what? He wants to fill, fulfill them completely. He does, just doesn't want to give you part of the promise. He wants to give you all of it. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. As we go our separate ways today, Father, make our hands productive. God, if, if there is somebody here that's struggling with some, uh, with some big stuff uh, in their lives, and God, I don't know what it is. It varies in degree for each man here. God, I ask that uh, they would begin to win those small battles, that they would begin to um, 
see you work and see you move. And that, Father, as you um, begin to teach them and to train them, Father, that they would trust you more and more and more. God, today is just preparation for tomorrow. And so, Father, may we learn something today. As we go to our office, as we go home, as we hang out with our family, while we're on the ball field. God, um, we love you. We thank you for today. And uh, be with us as we go our separate ways. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, y'all have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.